Neha Lalani is a film graduate from Dubai, currently working as a digital experience associate at Informa Connect Middle East. Although Neha is of Pakistani descent, she has lived her entire life in Dubai, United Arab Emirates, where she grew up and found her love of films. This passion was ignited after watching Steven Spielberg's The Adventures of Tintin and persisted since then. Neha decided to do media studies before enrolling in university and in her spare time continued to hone her film-related skills. The global pandemic affected her academic experience, but in spite of that, her final short film found some success at film festivals throughout the world and continues competing. After her graduation, Neha joined Informa, where she now works as a digital experience associate, creating various forms of online content. Along with some helpful advice, we also talk about Neha's future plans, favorite projects as well as artists, and her own online content. Listen to this episode to discover more about life in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates, get inspired by Neha's keen enthusiasm for exploring different kinds of art, and learn more about how her work was shown on the tallest building in the world, Burj Khalifa. Enjoy! Hello Neha, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the show. Can you please introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So my name is Neha Lalani. I'm from Pakistan, but I live in Dubai, UAE. Uh, I've been here my whole life, studied here as well, um, school as well as university. In school, I went to Cambridge International School where I studied mainly business, but then I also did media studies course. And then I went on to do film in Middlesex University here in Dubai as well. And yeah, now I'm doing content work at a company called Informa. It's a UK-based company where they manage events and conferences. So I do their live streaming and um, some of the conference stuff as well. You said you studied at Cambridge, so before you studied in the UK? No, no, no. It's Cambridge here in Dubai. There's a school it's called Cambridge International. Oh, okay. It's a British curriculum school. Yeah, yeah, okay. That makes sense. So you are probably the first person who studies in Dubai and I guess the audience is primarily UK-based. So why Dubai? Why not London, actually? Sure. So, I mean, I had plans on going to UK instead. Same university, Middlesex. But because of some personal issues and reasons, and it was before COVID had started and all that, I stayed in Dubai and I planned on transferring in my second year to UK and then continuing there. But I made such nice friends in my uni. <laughs> I decided I'll just stay here and then finish my degree. Mm-hmm. And maybe let's start with your background. So you said you were born in uh, Pakistan, right? Yeah. So... And I'm sorry, I'm not born in Pakistan. I'm from Pakistan, but I've lived, born and brought up here in Dubai. Ah, okay. So you spent so far the whole life in Dubai, right? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, can you tell us more about what is it like living in Dubai? I've never been there. Then sure. I'm really curious. Yeah, sure. So Dubai is, I mean, it's not as glamorous as you may have seen on TV with like, you know, posh uh, cars and all of that. I mean, it has its glamour and it's a city. It has its amazing buildings. We have the Burj Khalifa and all of those. But you have like with any city you live in, you have different types of people. So I'm a very middle class person. I live like a normal human being. I don't have a very lavish lifestyle as you may think that majority of people in Dubai have, but we're all normal people. But yeah, it's a very nice place to live. You have all sorts of cultures, all sorts of people here that have come here either to study or do their business or whatever, their families, and there's just uh, solo people who have come here. Um, And it's a nice place. And I guess definitely destination worth visiting for tourists. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We recently had the Expo 2020 that took place here. So we had a lot of people come in and then we had a lot of countries that were represented at the Expo and it was a really nice event. So as someone who lives there, what would be like a site that you would recommend for a tourist to visit? Sure. So definitely the Burj Khalifa. It's the tallest building in the world. Right next to the Burj Khalifa is Dubai Mall, which is one of the largest malls, I believe, in the region or maybe in the world. I'm not sure. That's a great mall to go to. Otherwise, I mean, because the weather is always so hot here. Yeah. um, Yeah, it's horrible. And like we're in summer right now, it's really really misty outside but I think majority of the activities here are all indoors even like our theme parks and stuff we have indoor theme parks because we heavily rely on AC yeah Yeah. aren't there even ski resorts inside yeah yeah yeah. there's ski Dubai that's in a mall 
again, one of the first in the region having a ski resort in a desert. But yeah, that is also a nice place for tourists to go to ski Dubai. And, and there is also this beautiful hotel. I forget the name. It looks like a yacht. It's yeah, Burj Al Arab. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah, yeah. that one is also there. Yeah, but I will say that Dubai obviously is, Dubai is not the capital. Dubai is the one you always hear about, but the Abu Dhabi is the main capital, and that one has some amazing features as well. Lots yeah. of concerts and events take place there. The F1 race takes place there as well, and we have Yas Water World, and we have like Ferrari World as well. So that's also a good place to go. And can you maybe compare these two cities because? I feel like that Dubai is probably more well known, but as you said, Abu Dhabi is the capital. So can you do a little comparison between them? Sure, sure. I will try to do justice. I haven't spent that much time in Abu Dhabi. I just just for work mainly. But mm. I think Abu Dhabi comparatively is not as populated. It has its population, but like Dubai is like you could think of it as like a New York City, Dubai, mm. where maybe Abu Dhabi is like a more I don't know toned down version of that there's not a lot of traffic there which we find a lot in Dubai which is pretty annoying in the mornings <laughs> and the evenings from work but yeah Abu Dhabi is it's a very calm place it's a nice place to live and it's more like I don't know like it's a little more like less fast paced I would say yeah 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 but I guess still would it be worth visiting for a tourist as well yeah, yeah definitely definitely so the UAE United Arab Emirates is made up of seven different emirates So we have Abu Dhabi, which is the capital. Then we have Dubai. And then we have also Sharjah, which is a more culturally rich place. So that's where you'll see the complete other side of the glamour and the tall buildings and all that. If you really want to experience the country and experience the people, I would suggest going to like the old Dubai side or the Sharjah side, where you mm -hmm. can have some really good food. You can buy some really cool, like gold is really big here. Even the clothes are really big here as well. Yeah. So yeah, I think that we have a flavor of everything. We don't have a variety of weathers. We just have hot all the time. But we have a lot of different sights to see. So what would be the lowest temperature? So we, I deal with Celsius. We mainly deal with Celsius here. So it's, I think I would say 23, maybe. 23 degrees Celsius. And the highest, it's gone to 50. Honestly, cannot <laughs> imagine. It must be yeah, crazy. Yeah, Yep, cool. So then you said you studied business, right? At Cambridge. Was that something you wanted to study and you decided then for a film or why did you study business in the first place? So I actually will wind the clock back to when I was 11 years old and I saw the movie, I don't know if you've heard of the comics Tintin, the Tintin comics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was a huge fan. I still am a huge fan of the Tintin comics, but I saw Steven Spielberg's movie, The Adventures of Tintin. Yeah. And I was so fascinated by the animation because it looks so real. And to me at that point, animation was just like Pixar movies and cartoons and all of that. And I was so surprised with how real that looks. So that kind of was like the start of my, oh, there's this whole world of film and content and like, you know, media and all that. So that was when I kind of decided, no, I want to make movies when I was 11. So it was yeah, this when... one influential film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I pay my respects to Mr. Spielberg. <laughs> So then after that, then I think when I came to the time when you have to pick your like subjects for GCSE and all of that, then I picked media studies. I didn't want to do science, even though I, I really like science, but I didn't want to do it as a career or just further study it. So then I thought, okay, as a backup, my family advised me just take business. So I was a full commerce student in my O-levels. And then when I went to A-levels, I dropped two of them and then I took literature instead and I kept the media and yeah. And then you decided to study film at the university. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. When it comes to Dubai or UAE in general, are there like a lot of film universities or could you like pick from different ones or what is it like in there? Sadly, I mean, the media industry is still up and coming. It's not that developed yet and there's not a lot of awareness about it. People don't value it as much, even though it's everywhere and you need it. But yeah, university-wise, there's not a lot of variety. I think I had choices between three. And that too, that was also in other Emirates included. Yeah. So like about three or four. But then Middlesex was the one that was the most convenient for me, close by. And then I liked their course as well. And do you know, what does the university look like in London or not really? No, no, not at all. Okay. Because I was going to ask if you can compare 
because okay. I don't know what it's like in Dubai, but if you don't know what right. it's like in London, you cannot really compare. Yeah, but I'm sure the London campus is huge and it has a lot of different buildings and faculties and all of that. For us, it was basically just two blocks, block 16 and block 15, which was like about, I think, two floors or two, three floors high. And it was just small blocks. And then we just had like our different classes in those. I did get the whole university experience, but not as grand as I would have, you know, perhaps in UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about the students? Is it like in UK that the students are international or does the majority of students come from Emirates or what is it like? No, it's international because mainly over here, the large population percentage is not Emirati, which are the locals, the Emiratis. They have a very small percentage, but a lot of them are just people who have come from abroad and then just raise their families here and all that. So even the students, a lot of the students may not have even lived in Dubai or UAE to begin with, and they've traveled to that campus and then they studied there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have a lot of international students that come in. A lot of my friends are also international students. Yeah. So just out of curiosity, I guess, is the language spoken in their Arabic in UAE? No, no, it's a mix. So Arabic is the national language, but everyone speaks English here. And we actually, a lot of the percentage of the population is either Indian or Pakistani. So we speak our like native tongues, which is Urdu for Pakistanis and Hindi for Indians mm-hmm. a lot of the time. So it kind of feels like home for me <laughs> because everyone, I could just speak Urdu to anyone. Uh, and then they'll understand what I'm saying. But everyone speaks English here. Arabic, yes, because it is an Arab country. But everyone understands English. And do you also speak Arabic? No, I don't. <laughs> I was forced to study it in school. But sadly, the teachers were not that great. Yeah. And I guess it's also a bit difficult because of the alphabet and the way yeah, yeah. from the other side. right? Yeah, exactly. But luckily for me, because the way Urdu is written is also the same like Arabic. The letters are very similar. So I can read, I'll be able to read Arabic, like the signs and all of that, but I won't understand what to say. So if someone is in Dubai and you come only with knowledge of English, you will be fine, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So coming back to your university, how was your experience studying film? Yeah, it was a very nice experience overall. Obviously, it has like its ups and downs with maybe your classes being a bit boring or then your projects being very stressful or whatever but it was very nice I met a lot of nice people that are still my friends now and we've you know worked on things like outside of uni as well I learned a lot of things even like got a good relationship with my professors even my seniors I got a lot of opportunities that perhaps I wouldn't have if I didn't study film because I feel like a lot of the times maybe people pick not to go to film school which is a big debate you go to film school or you do it on your own But I think film school helped me, at least, which would give me the resources and the opportunity to make short films or work with other people Mm -hmm. and keep contacts and all that. Can you say how many students were in your class? Sure. So it was about 15. 15, yeah. It was like a split between guys and girls. I think there were a couple of more guys than girls, but there was like about 15. So it was a very intimate class. And it was nice at times. You didn't have a lot of like people there to, I don't know, it was more customized. Yeah. I mean, at least teachers had more time to pay attention to you and give you more time to... to yeah, practice. yeah. And before starting uni, did you already have some film-related experience? Kind of, because I took media studies in school for like five years from like my O-levels all the way to like graduated school. I had taken media studies. So I had that a bit of a basic understanding. And plus, because it became my passion from a very young age so then I would all the time in my free time I would just be researching and watching stuff on YouTube and like doing all of that stuff I even started editing when I was like 13 or yeah. I was just making like you know edits and stuff from movies and all that so mm-hmm. so yeah I, I had a knowledge and it, that really helped me but yeah then university obviously helped with the groundwork and built yeah. up there and what were the projects like or the final projects in each year I guess did you make short films Yeah, so we had a lot of different projects. We started with like just really minor things. Like we had this thing called Do Short because they taught film to the students as if they've never done anything to do with film or content at all. So it's very basic level. So we had this thing called Do Short where you just have to pick, shoot two different things on your phone and then edit them together and all that. I think we had it as well. 
Oh, really? Yeah. I'm sure a lot of our projects are the same. So we had this like one minute documentary that we had to film of your friend or something like a story. And then we had short film about space. We had an advertisement. Yeah, it sounds like it's yeah. something the same, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it so, brings me memories. Yeah. When did you graduate from? I graduated just when the COVID happened. So okay. okay. I don't remember what year was it, but I was in a third year and the COVID just happened. Okay, okay. Fine, fine. What yeah, year I think, did you again graduate? I think it was 2021. So it was like the second year of COVID. Yes. Which yes. really impacted one of my projects as well. But yeah, like the, the projects were really nice. Obviously, not all of them were super great. Now that I look back and watch them, they're like, what was I thinking <laughs> when I was making that? It's all a learning experience. No, I agree. And what role were you focusing on? Yeah, I mean, different things. So, like, I've come from a heart of being a director or, like, an editor mainly. But we were obviously rotated around because with this practical work, you're learning about other roles and responsibilities yeah. on set and all that. So I was a producer for one of them. I didn't really like it, but it was fine, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> then I was a writer for one. I did, like, script supervision for one of them. Then I was an editor and colorist for one. So yeah, different things. But in the last year? But last year, I picked the practical project, which is the 10-minute short film that you have to make. Because some of my colleagues in my class, they um, got to pick the writing course instead. So they had to write a feature-length script. So I picked the short film one. I was the director. Okay, so again, not to put myself on a high horse, but I was the director, the writer, the editor, the colorist. The music composer. <laughs> and also, I played the music as well. And I acted in it, which is horrible. Really? So, yeah, it was not great. I was going to say, uh, tell us what you didn't do on that film. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because I wanted to, you know, be like, no, I can do everything. But it was yeah. because you're doing a student project. You and didn't also, have to wear a lot of hats. Because you said there were probably 15 people in your class. It sounds like yes. the crew is not that big. Exactly, exactly. And because we had to kind of simultaneously do these projects. So we had, I think, four projects in total, the short films. So we had four really? short films. Yeah. So each person was kind of working on all of them and helping each other out with different roles. Mm-hmm. And then we had to simultaneously help each other out. So yeah. we didn't really have the manpower to be like, okay, now you can edit and then you will do this and that and like the luxury. So you had to do a lot of things. But how did you manage everything? It's so much. Even acting, acting and directing. <laughs> the acting, I'm not an actor at all. I keep telling myself and could maybe like, okay, maybe this time I'll be able to act. No, I'm not at all. <laughs> but I had to just out of like, I was trying to be M. Night Shyamalan, you know, and make my cameo. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but also it was more of like, I didn't have a choice and we needed a character. And like, we couldn't find another actor. So we were like, okay, fine. Me and maybe and my producer were both in one scene together as like oh. extras of sorts. So we're like, okay, fine, we'll just show up in this and then cringe for the rest of our lives while we was watch it this movie. You want to speak in role? Yes, it was. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> yeah, I had a decent. No, okay, no, I wouldn't say decent screen time, but I had like about maybe a minute of screen time. So how was but, the yeah. film in the end? Yeah, the film. The film turned out very nice. The I'll give a bit of a background for the film. So the film's called Swan Song. And because this was my dissertation project and my last one before I get out of uni, I wanted it to be a little bit of sentimental and special. So two things that I really value or like I'm passionate about is film and then music. I love music. <laughs> I love composing and writing songs. I play piano and guitar as well and sing also. So, oh, you're also um, a singer? Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I do sing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I wanted to combine both of those and... Okay, so this movie has a lot of different inspirations. So one thing that you find in this region, or like at least with South Asians, perhaps, you may find it everywhere in the world, but it's one thing where a lot of the families, I would say, it's not generalized, obviously, but a lot of the times you find that they don't really value jobs that are in the media field or in art fields. And they like, okay, pick something that's more serious and pick something that you'll be able to make money from. And they don't see these type of recreational courses as something that is of value. So the story is of this 14-year-old girl, Nina, who wants to pursue her passion for music, but her parents are very conservative and they don't believe in her passion being something valuable. So they want to push her to just continue studying Mm -hmm. and get good grades because that's all that matters to them. 
So it's kind of like how she deals with that and like there's a whole story and all. I would recommend that you watch it. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I will get the link and we'll share it so that people... Yeah, definitely. To see your performance. <laughs> no, horrible. But yeah, um, it was a nice experience. Very extremely DIY. It was a self-funded project. Me and my producer, who's also one of my very close friends, self-funded it at a very low-budget project. We filmed a lot of it in like either my house or my friend's house. So the movie is just a drama film, but it kind of jumps in and out of like dream versus reality of sorts. So it's a battle between what she wants to be and like her imagination and what her reality is like. So we have a lot of scenes where she's playing the piano or she's like on stage and she's performing and all that. So we wanted to use school, like our own school even, just as like a nice tie-in together. But because of COVID, this was at the height of COVID, they had really strict guidelines and they said, no, sorry, we will not let you use the school. So we had to even DIY that. So we took my friend's dad's warehouse and we put like black cloth around and we kind of simulated like a auditorium of sorts. She had a piano there already. So I know I'm jumping ahead of myself, but like the movie has a lot of different inspirations from other films. So one sequence, the one that's at the end of the film, I don't want to give any spoilers, but she's playing the piano. That one is inspired by La La Land where Ryan Gosling's character plays the piano. Like there's a whole nice sequence. Some of the film is like inspired by her, like the color and Joker as well. Some parts of it is inspired by Black Swan. So there's like different things. So... For one of the scenes where she's playing the piano in that warehouse now, because we wanted that like the spotlight type of effect for the light, we had to get like some fog into it, but we didn't have a fog machine. So my <laughs> friend, he, he waved his lungs out trying to get fog. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been written in a risk assessment by our producer. Yeah. yeah, but like we didn't have a choice. It wasn't like we forced Tim. He said it's fine. That was one of them. And, and then one of the lights was about a fall over or burn and all that. So you have these type of situations, but everything was under control. It sounds like a fun production. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun. Like one of the sad parts is because of COVID, they had really strict guidelines on like the equipment we could take out. We have a small film faculty. I don't know how it is in the UK campus. But because we have a small department, we don't have a lot of equipment and we mainly use the Blackmagic cinema cameras and the 4K ones. So at that time, because they had really strict guidelines on the equipment, they had these rules that they needed to sanitize everything and then give it out to the next group. But yeah. our schedules kind of clashed. And so we didn't get to use the nice 4K cameras and we had to use a Sony A7 instead. Oh, which was, yeah, that is sad. It, yeah, it was sad. Like, I can imagine if we used the 4K, it would have looked really different. It would have yeah. looked more like a proper film, but it doesn't look that bad. Like, the E7's green noise on the footage really helps, I guess, with the texture. Well, it's uh, impressive that despite the conditions, you still managed and, yeah, you know, didn't discourage you, didn't stop. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think everyone was really, like, I'm thankful that the team and, like, my friends in class were all very, like, wanted to help each other out and like sincerely mm -hmm. had their whole heart in every project that they were working on. So that really helped. And was it still, if this was the final project in the third year, were there still such impacts of COVID if COVID happened in your second year? You're saying like, for example, if it happened second year, then would it still? No, I mean, if it happened in a second year, it would be probably much worse, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The COVID actually hit us in second year, like towards the end of second year. So in second year, we had to make like a five minute short film. But because of COVID had recently started and like the whole lockdown situation happened, we couldn't film that short film. So we all yeah. we had to do is really submit the documents and then they had some alternative assignment that we had to do. So yep. we didn't really film that thing. And then it went on for like, as you know, for like a couple of years. So then third year happened and it was still going on. People are trying to be careful and everything. Yeah. So with the short film, did you send it to any festivals? Yeah, yeah, I did. So it's gone to a lot of festivals, but it has at the moment about four to five selections. Like still right now? Yeah, still right now. Yeah. So we got one recently at the Student World Impact Film Festival that happens in US. So that one, we were quarter finalists for the best super short film for that oh. one. Oh. Yeah. I mean, you said before it sounds like it's not such a, I don't want to say 
shouldn't have big expectations, but now what you say, it doesn't sound like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, regardless of like the restraints we had with like the equipment or like the locations or whatever, I think it's a decent film. I'm not saying that because it's my child, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it turned out fine. And I think it strikes a chord with a lot of people because it's a very sensitive topic if you're like going through that situation that the main character is going through. Like a lot of the times I've heard that people have actually cried at the end of the movie after they've seen oh. it. Because it is an emotional film and it doesn't end happily. It ends on a sad note. So. Then I will reconsider if I will watch it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should. I would love to hear what you think about it. Yes, sir. So it's still other festivals, but any awards so far? Yeah, so the awards we got for one of the festivals, we got Best Short Film Award for that. Then we got quarter finalists for the Best Super Short for the other festival. Um, we've had a couple of selections as well. And this year, we also got a chance to show the film at Comic-Con, which happens in the region. So oh. Middle East Film and Comic-Con. So yeah, we showed it over there. And we had a little panel session about the film. It was a film about indie filmmaking in the region. So we had another film as well that the director has come from Pakistan. Oh, so flew in and he was... Impressive, yeah. Yeah, showing his uh, film over there as well. It was a nice event. And it was nice. I mean, it's because these... Panels over there at Comic-Con, they have like community panels where they just, people part of the pop culture community, they come in and then they talk about, you know, their different topics. So we yeah. didn't have like the full crowd of the audience, but it was nice. There were people there asking questions. Yeah, still, it, it sounds great. And yeah. I sometimes, when I speak to people, I hear that one of the reasons why they don't send films to festivals is budget. But judging from what you said, it sounds like you prepared in advance. Did you have like yeah. budget separated for festivals or how did you go about it? Yeah, I mean, when me and my producer, because this was completely self-funded, so we split it like 50-50, the budget for the film. Oh, so, um, so you were not raising? No, 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 not at all. It was completely self-funded, the it, movie. Why not? I think in the UK campus, because they have a larger scale, it's part of your curriculum, right? That you need to raise money I, for it. I think so, yeah. 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 For us, it wasn't really. So if we wanted to, we could. But it was like not one of the prerequisites that we have to do that. So you can And can you say what was the budget? Yeah, sure. It was about 2K dirhams. So that would be what divided by 4.5. I'm not sure how much that is in pounds. So like about 500 pounds? I guess so. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Then it kind makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah. oh my kind God. Of... It's a low budget and such a successful <laughs> now it's a great example for the listeners that you can make the success of them even with a low budget. Yeah, honestly, you can. I think if you have a creative mindset, you can do anything you want. Yeah, yeah. All about stepping out of your comfort zone and out of the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when me and my producer were talking about the budget initially and just deciding how much is going to go and where and what all. So we did discuss that, yes, we will be putting some of the budget for film festivals because we wanted this to circulate. We wanted to get those accolades if that would happen and so we did set aside and then we looked at a lot of the film festivals we shorted listed a lot of them so I think there were 20 or 25 or so and then we would see okay how well known is this how likely are we to maybe perhaps get a selection in this and then we shortlisted them so in total like we perhaps had to spend a little extra but it was like a mutual discussion of that and then we were like okay we can afford this this is like it became both of our children like the film So yeah. we both had like a sentimental investment in films. We didn't yeah. mind spending a little extra. And what was the criteria based on what you were choosing in those festivals? There were different things. We mainly targeted festivals that were like in the region. So like in the GCC region or South Asian film festivals or just even East Asian ones. We submitted to a couple in Europe and then also just a couple in the U.S., But mainly we targeted like our local region because of the story. We felt that perhaps people in the region would more likely relate to the story and then, you know, maybe selected for their film festival because of that. Yeah, it was mainly because of that. And when you say in the region, do you mean Middle East or country or what area are we talking about? Yeah, it's, it's Middle East. So it's just the, the GCC region. So you have like, you have UAE, you have Saudi Arabia, you have like mainly the, I mean... When I say in the region, it was mainly UAE and then like our home countries, India, Pakistan, we have Bangladesh as well. And then we have some other countries also. Mm-hmm. I think we submitted one to China as well. 
and maybe Japan also. I'm not sure. If, I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. And what does GCC stand for? Gulf something? Yes. So the GCC stands for Gulf Cooperation Council. It's Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and then UAE. So it will be the peninsula, right? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Just a quick one. If you enjoy our podcast, please give us a review on your favorite podcast app, subscribe or share it with your friends. For more information, visit the show notes. Thank you and back to the show. So from your time at university, can you share some advice for either students or people who want to study at university? Sure. So film related or just in general? Oh, you can say both or whatever comes to your mind. Yeah. So I think university is a great experience. I feel like maybe perhaps some people may choose not to go to university and all that's up to them. But I would recommend going to university. Compared to school, it's a more freeing experience. You feel more independent. If you get a chance to study abroad from where you've grown up, then that's added bonus, I guess. Feel like an adult, finally. But yeah, it's a nice place. You get to meet new people. You can reinvent yourself, you know, and just start fresh if you really need that from school. And film related, I think, again, like like I was saying, it's like some people may, you know, just maybe rely on online courses and like YouTube and then just practically practice their skills um, and then make short films and like on and on. Or then people then go to film school or do like degrees and stuff like that instead and then learn the skills there. For me, it, I think it worked out. It has helped me just gain connections and network with people and then just practice my skills and then use equipment that I probably wouldn't have had access to if I didn't go to film school and then learn a software. Like because of going to film school, I learned about DaVinci, a result, the editing software. I used to edit on like Sony Vegas and like, <laughs> not even Premiere Pro. Because it was paid and I was like, I'm not paying for the, and I'm not going to get the shady way of getting the software. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, and like I, you know, there were other resources as well that I got a chance to. Yeah, I was about to ask, why did you actually pick to study at uni instead of learning by yourself? But what you just said, it makes sense to me. Yeah, I think it helps, I feel like, yes, sure, you maybe perhaps in the time that like, you know, I had three years of studying. There was a lot of stuff that we did, a lot of theoretical work in our thing. It wasn't just learning about the film skills and then going out filming and then coming back. And it was a lot of theoretical parts. We learned, we watched movies, which when I describe this to my friends, they're like, wow, your course is so easy. <laughs> like we'd watch movies in class, talk about the movies, write a couple of essays. That was literally like our classes. But like it, that also was enlightening. And it kind of makes you realize like maybe people on the outside who don't understand the process as much they may just think oh you just grab your camera and just film something wow voila it's over but there's like a lot of thought process that goes behind it and there's you could say a science behind making movies to learn to appreciate then when you look at them in a more detail yeah and also i feel like it makes you think about films differently because we also watched films and then we did analysis focused on different topics and before i i wouldn't do that before Exactly, so exactly. It makes you look different. And can you say some films that you watched just to see if we watched the same ones? Yeah, sure. We watched A Vertigo by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, yeah. That one, we watched 2001, A Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick as well. That was mm. the first film we watched in class that everyone was <laughs> horrified after watching it because it's so long. And yeah. you're like, well, it doesn't make sense. But it's a great film. It's a classic. Mm-hmm. It sounds the same. Yeah, yeah. I think we didn't change the course much. And I think we maybe had like a year gap. Like you would have been my senior if I went to the UK campus. Yes, yes. Like yeah. one year above. Okay. Exactly. It sounds like the same curriculum. It's cool. Yeah. I didn't expect it. So, so then how did you start planning your way into the industry after university? Yeah, so I think while I was at university, I got the chance to, one of my professors actually helped me out with this, but I got the chance to work at like a small internship for four months with a company called Namshi. Namshi is kind of like a mini Amazon, but it just deals with retail. So they deal with like selling clothes and makeup and like accessories and all those things. So different brands. So they just have a lot of brands. So I was the videographer, video editor for them for these four months, um, just working on their campaigns and their content, fashion videos mainly. And, all that. and sorry, is it oh. regional or worldwide? It's mainly in the region. So mainly in the UAE, Saudi Arabia and all like the GCC region. 
but they, I think they do also ship worldwide. Yeah. That. But yeah, so the projects like uh, they had a marketing campaign for they were launching like a sportswear brand. So I worked on that. And then one of the projects I really liked was on the Burj Khalifa when it's New Year's. What they do is they put a lot of videos so companies can buy slots like advertising slots, basically. And then they can put videos up on the Burj Khalifa and project them. So like entire scale of the Burj Khalifa, you can have your ad play, for example. Is it like projected on a building? Yeah, it's not projected on, but it has like screens. So the Burj Khalifa has screens on it, like on the outside. If you search up LED show Burj Khalifa, you'll find like we have. So Burj Khalifa and Dubai Mall are like right next to each other. You have the mall and then right next to it, you have the Burj Khalifa. So they have this fire and water fountain show. It's super grand one, like with like opera music and all that and all that. And then sometimes they have this light show as well, which is the fountain show. And it's kind of choreographed with the Burj Khalifa as well. So the projection kind of matches. It's a cool thing. So for Namshi, they had a New Year's Eve video advertisement. So I got a chance to edit that advertisement and they put it up on. Oh, so your advertisement was shown. Yeah, on it was up on, on the Burj Khalifa. Yeah, I mean, I worked with, it was not just me. It was me and my line manager and then another person on our team. We were All three of us were editing it together. But yeah, it was nice to see that video just on the big <laughs> building. Yeah, that sounds yeah. like a great achievement. Yeah. Not everyone can say that my work was great there. Yeah. Then after that, I still had uni. Then, then I had my third year. And then after third year, then... I took a break for a bit because the, my dissertation project sucked the life out of me. So yeah, so then I took a break and then I started applying for jobs, mainly videographer, video editor jobs, because I knew that I probably wouldn't find a lot of film production or production house related jobs here in this country or the city at least. Because again, like I said, like it's not that up and coming. It's still very niche. A lot of the movies here that are locally made are all mainly indie films. They're not big budgeted, proper films. So yeah, so then I started just applying in different companies and I saw this opening for the Informa job opening and I applied there and then, yeah, that's where I'm still now, a year and a half later. I wonder because from my experience or what I hear from people, what it works like in the UK, it's like you get plenty of rejections and you are lucky if you find something. Is it yeah. the same there or no? So in my case, I'm very thankful. I did not have that tough time to find a job. So this was one, the informal job that I have now is, is one of the first few that I kind of applied for. I applied for many simultaneously and some didn't answer, some just flat out just rejected it without even calling me up or anything. But the informal one was like, you know, one of the first few. But like I have friends who have gone through hell <laughs> trying to find a job. Yeah. Like they've, they've hopped jobbed a lot in the past like year or so. They've like skipped like five, six jobs. Yeah, this understand that. So can you introduce your job? What is it that you do in there? Yeah, sure. So at Informa, so Informa has multiple divisions. So we're an events, conferences and trainings business. So we manage training courses for different companies or events and conferences you have all across the world. They have lots of different branches, but the main head office is in UK, in London. And then we have one that's over here in Dubai and then we have multiple. So the one here, so Informa is like the mother company and then we have multiple divisions. So I'm in Informa Connect. And in, in Informa Connect, my job is, this is my land manager, came up with this term himself, is digital experience associate. And then now it's kind of turned into delivery coordinator. So I'm basically, <laughs> it's a very vague title, to be honest. Mm. But I was basically hired to do like content work, create marketing campaigns or like then edit videos and all of that. And initially we had a lot of plans of making these like funny Saturday Night Live, The Office kind of sketches to kind of market one of our products, which was an online live streamed digital event platform. Because after COVID, what happened, they kind of transformed because all of their events before were in person and then COVID happened. And then that defeats, like you can't really do in-person events anymore. So they were like, okay, let's adapt and make our events online now. And then they started this thing called Fast Forums, but then events that were like in a couple of hours. So in two hours, you'll be able to watch an event about finance or something. But then that kind of died out because now everyone's going back to in-person because <laughs> they do not want to think about COVID anymore. So that has completely cancelled out. So I'm not really doing content stuff as much anymore, which is a little sad. So it's, the film stuff has died down a bit. But I'm doing like mainly live streamings and then just helping out with actual conference. And did it include also social media? 
Kind of, yes. So just mainly YouTube and then Instagram, because those are the two main channels that they have and like Facebook, LinkedIn, all those. But yeah, mainly just the typical you find like in business PR edits, very like corporate-y type, mm-hmm. not really a lot of room for creativity. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I guess. You know. So can you describe what does your average day look like? What do you do? Sure. So as much as I would have hoped after uni to go out and film and like, be a know, director. like have, yeah, be a director, have very unpredictable hours. I have a nine to five job now, <laughs> which is literally <laughs> very yeah. typical office job. But yeah, my typical day is answering emails, going on meetings, doing edits here and there. We do a lot of webinars. So just preparing for that, coordinating with people, a lot of talking to different people and just keeping tracks of everything. But yeah, it does get repetitive at times, as you can imagine with an office job. But sometimes you have the little spark of like, oh, there's something new going on, which is nice. And do you work from home or do you go to the office? Um, It's a mix. So we work uh, three times a week in the office and then two times from home. <laughs> What do you prefer? I actually prefer the office. I yeah. don't know. I think home is I'm... As soon as I'm at home, I'm already like half of my brain is turned off because I'm in my comfort zone. When I'm in the office, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is office. I need to get my work done. And do you still edit in DaVinci or what program yeah, you yeah. use? I, yeah, I, No, I still do. So it's kind of a mix. So if it's mainly for work, then I, I use Premiere. But it's mainly for my projects, I use DaVinci because I love the color grading features that DaVinci has. So yeah, I mainly use DaVinci for like the main edits. And then if there's any audio stuff, then I do audition. Otherwise, it's yeah, mainly. And since you've got experience with different softwares, can you say maybe what are the biggest differences? Or if someone wanted to start editing, maybe which one would you recommend and why? Okay. So between like Premiere and DaVinci. Mm-hmm. So I would recommend DaVinci because it's free. Yeah, anyone that's a good point. A, yeah, it's free. And anyone with a good computer that it's able to install on, You can use DaVinci, you can start using it. And it's literally all the features are free. It's just certain things that you have to pay for, which you're rarely going to use. And once, if you know DaVinci, then you can easily go on to Premiere and vice versa as well. The softwares are very, very similar. And the way the interface also looks like is very, very similar. So I would say start with DaVinci. Once you're comfortable with that, then you can go to Premiere if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds like a good point. And at your work, how much creativity do you have or do you need to use? I don't have that much, <laughs> to be honest. When I started out in the job, when things were still about like content and like, you know, creating like advertising for like a platform and all that, then it was like a little more creative. And I have some of the videos actually on my YouTube channel that we shot in the office with my colleagues. But now it's not as creative, which is kind of like silver lining that it allows me to stay creative with my own content. Because, you know, when you do have like a nine to five job, someone listening is like in uni still and they're, you know, maybe going to step out and do their job. Yeah. It does eat a lot of your time. Like you spend more time in the office than you do like at home with your family. So your whole week is gone with just doing your work and your job. And then you only have the weekends. And then for me, because I'm very introverted, I use the weekends just to recharge my social battery <laughs> so I can get ready for the next week. So that yeah. it's like I don't have a lot of time to do my own projects. But like... Thankfully, maybe, because I don't do like the creative stuff for my work. It gives me like a push to keep doing my creative stuff in my free time. So at least I channel that and I don't you know, lose yeah. the skill. Yeah, I was going to say that at least you don't drain your creative energy and then it's left out for your personal project. So it sounds good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is like your maybe next position or your future goal when it comes to career? Do you have sure, any? So, yeah, um... I have some job prospects that are currently going on at the moment within the same company, but perhaps somewhere else in another location. But I plan to move from Dubai. I don't want to stay here, just see the world and maybe perhaps settle somewhere else. Job-wise, my dream job is to work for Pixar. Oh, uh, that's so beautiful. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's been for many years. Like, it's my dream like to get into Pixar and work for Pixar. Mm. But if I had to do something on my own, I want to start my own production house and just do that and that production house primarily work to help fund indie films and indie projects and just back them up so it's kind of like counterintuitive 
where it's a production house, but you're doing indie films. But yeah, that's the idea. And do you know a location? Where would you want to move to? Probably US. I have a lot of family there. So maybe there, but honestly, UK, US, Australia, Canada, wherever. But yeah, just to see what place would give me the most benefit. I think probably US because that's the home of film. <laughs> so would it be somewhere around LA? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So my family is in like California area. So it'll be somewhere there, most likely. Yeah. And if you worked in a Pixar, what position would you want to do there? I would love to like direct a film, like a Pixar film. That sounds. I, I would love. Yeah. yeah, one of the films that I actually didn't get a chance to film because of COVID. This was part of my uni. That was kind of a very Pixar-y kind of concept. It was a very like wholesome type of story, but you know, like how Pixar always uses different concepts to tell a very unique, wholesome story. So it was kind of like that. But I think for Pixar, job-wise, either maybe something editing-related or. If not directing, because that's shooting for the stars. You never know in many years, yeah, in a few years. Honestly, never know. But yeah, editing or even just concept, like writing even. Mm -hmm. I don't mind that. And what is then your favorite film from Pixar? Toy Story. Yeah, it's very sentimental for me. They brainwashed me to think that my toys were alive. <laughs> <laughs> now, if yeah. you consider what the, the first one went out, it's been such a long time and it's such a beautiful film and such a good one yeah yeah exactly even in my adult years i go back and watch pixar movies and i will be like it i recently watched the new one elemental that came out oh i haven't seen that yet. yeah it's a nice one so it this time they asked the question what if elements had emotion so yeah they had the fire water earth and all of that it was nice they tackled like a serious topic about minorities and like racism and all that but they You know, like how they did it with Inside Out as well. I don't know if you've watched that movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but they talked about like personality and you know, dreams and all of that. And like how a child's mind works. But in a very simple and very easy to understand type of way for anyone. Yeah, I really like the way they tell this. Yeah, when it comes to this, I completely agree with you. Because despite my age, I also like to watch animation films. And because I grew up with it, I agree that the Pixar is just amazing. So yeah, I completely agree with your dream Cool. So can we discuss your personal projects? What do you do in your free time? Yeah, sure. So at the moment, I've kind of taken up an interest in music production. So I'm working on finally my album. So after oh, writing wow, really? the songs. I didn't yeah. expect that. <laughs> yeah. I've had like my songs written for years and I'm like, okay, you know what? It's time. Let me start making yeah. it. So yeah, I'm getting into that. And the another reason for that is like, I'm a very like jack of all trades type of person. Like I want to know how to do everything as overachieving as that sounds. But I like learning new softwares. And I thought, okay, let me try to learn Ableton, which is the software I'm learning now. for music Ableton. Yeah, yeah, actually I spoke with, I think it was episode six with Simon. And he okay. mentioned Ableton that he uses that as well. Of course, I've never heard of it before. Just yeah. like, okay, wow. And now you mention it. It's probably a good software. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's going good. I really like it. So, yeah, that's on the side. I had gotten into CGI and visual effects at one point, but that's a whole other world. Uh, so I started learning Blender. And then I'm sure you know about this Andrew Price. I believe that's his name. He makes a donut. There's a YouTube tutorial series of make a donut with me. <laughs> I don't know. I will have a list. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool series for like beginners if they want to learn how to use Blender. You follow along and he teaches you like, the basic aspects of visual effects and all of that. And then he just, in the end, you end up with a donut as in like, um, a project. Yeah, You know, But, I did episode with someone else who was learning CG as well. And they okay. mentioned donut as well. And I didn't know the context, but now it makes sense. So, Listening back to this, I will probably be embarrassed. But now it... Oh, oh no, <laughs> not at all. But yeah, I started, like, I really wanted to go into that. Again, because I wanted to learn about that, but that's like a whole other world. Mm. Like it's crazy. And it's like so much respect, honestly, for people who are in visual effects. But yeah, then I, I kind of, it was too daunting for me. So I gave that up. And then I was like, okay, let me just do music instead. <laughs> I know a bit of it anyways. At least you can devote more time to the music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Other than that, like video 
edits and all of the content wise yeah i have my youtube channel so i post different things honestly different things so it's like some of it is vlogs i have like this poetic anthology series so it's just poems that i narrate with like some stock footage that i filmed on like my trips and stuff mm-hmm. other than that i have like this horror found footage kind of series it's like these one minute videos but it's just like horror like found footage with my like old family camcorder that i have this is random things to be honest just things that i you know come up with randomly are you then youtuber or even influencer <laughs> uh, well influencer I'm not too sure honestly i'm i don't put the stuff on youtube so that you know like i earn money or become like that will be my main source of income i don't think i can ever see myself doing that mm-hmm. cuz it's so difficult and it's so competitive mm-hmm. that yeah. really like it's a lot of it just comes down to luck that yeah. thing just strikes with people and then it becomes trending and then you're hit suddenly oh. and i guess a lot of time as well not just overnight success with free videos but takes exactly plenty of videos yeah yeah exactly exactly and i know like a lot of youtubers they claim that they've like cracked the code and they know how the algorithm works and all that which i mean sure yeah. maybe it works for them i would say maybe on tiktok yeah yeah exactly the algorithm works differently yeah and if on tiktok you can easily blow up like compared to youtube at least it's very easy for you to get like a million views yeah i heard yeah, yeah. yeah i started posting short clips from podcast as well on uh, tiktok and yeah. i can say that the number of views is much bigger than when i post views on youtube yeah 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 so i think that's just how the nature of that platform is very like fast paced consuming content right mm-hmm. Um, I'm still waiting for those millions, but maybe one day. <laughs> yeah, maybe one day, definitely. <laughs> And with your album, what is it that you do there? Actually, do you sing, play the piano, do everything? <laughs> everything. Really? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. So I mean, it started like the songs I have are just like voice notes on my phone that I've recorded with me playing the piano and just composing the lyrics and all that. But now I'm like, as I learn the software, like Ableton. I'm starting to then I want to convert those into like actual songs, ideas. So, do you actually want to like release even physical album? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. I mean, like physical album probably not. I don't know. But I want my music like on Spotify and all of that. Like I, yeah. I have plans for that. Not this year probably, it's too soon. Maybe sometime next year once I finish. But maybe that may be a career for the future. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll just pack my bags on film and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to become a singer. <laughs> and what is the genre of the music? Um, it's like call it, I don't know, it's like pop of sorts. It's very indie. I don't know how to describe it. It's not R&B or anything like that, not at all. I can't rap. That will be cool. But <laughs> not at all. But yeah, I think it will be like it's not rock, really, at least at the moment. It's very like indie pop i would say is it in english yeah it's in english mm-hmm. and actually what language do you speak at home with your family english english it's a funny thing so like i'm from pakistan so we speak urdu as our main we have multiple languages in pakistan but urdu is the main one so my parents speak in urdu to us and like english they know english very well but i cannot speak urdu <laughs> i don't have the confidence to speak it so well, I'll, i'll i just speak in english, english. I don't know it's like because I've grown up here my environment I wasn't grown like that that mm-hmm. hometown environment so I can understand it completely and I can to some extent read it and write a bit but then I'll just respond to you in English yeah that makes sense yeah and with the music is it already like on your YouTube as well or you are still in a process of recording everything no it's not on my YouTube so it's literally just in like my voice notes at the moment saved okay okay Yeah. And what about the lyrics? What do you write about? Just different things. <laughs> I think sometimes it's quite sad my music. It's a way of channeling my emotions, not saying that I'm very emotionally <laughs> depressed or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that yeah, sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but different things. Some of it's like not really from my life, but it's just inspired by other things like I've seen or you know, like other songs that I've heard. It's a mix. And is there maybe a singer who's your like a big inspiration or motivation? Yeah, there are multiple singers, but I think I really like this artist called Eden. 
He's indie artist from Ireland. And to be honest, his music is very like, very different. Like if you'd hear it, you'd probably be like, what is this? Usually it's just like a mix of sounds sometimes. Mm-hmm. I guess a general person will just think that. But his music is nice. It's very experimental. Yeah. I don't need to have yeah. I honestly have no idea. I like a lot of indie artists. And then I like a lot of music from the 70s and the 80s. One of my favorite bands is like Led Zeppelin. Oh, yeah. 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 Like different types. I love music in general. And if you were to pick film or music, which one would you pick? Oh, that's tough. Like if I can only do one for the rest of my life? Yeah. Or which one? Maybe for your career. Okay. Probably film, to be honest. Because film, you can have music in film. But you can't That's have good film point. in music. Have you got favorite composer for films? For films? I think the pickle Hans Zimmer. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I agree. Sure. Like classic. Yes, he's really famous. That's the one name everyone knows. But like, I really like him. Sometimes when I'm like just sitting, working, and I need some noise in the background, I just put his some of his scores on. But yeah, there are other composers that I really like, but like from their like just their music for a particular film, perhaps. Can you mention a film where you enjoyed the music? Well, let's say the score to sound more professional. Yeah, <laughs> I really like the music from Logan, the one with Hugh Jackman, the Wolverine. The one, supposedly the last one. Yeah, so exactly. Supposedly. <laughs> yeah. Joker had really nice music. It's very nice. Then Batman, also the recent one with Robert Pattinson, had some good music as well. Even Tenet, Christopher Nolan's Tenet, also had, even though Hans Zimmer didn't do the music. There's like multiple. Yeah, it's good. To, at least some examples of yeah. those herbs. Cool. And as we'll be approaching the end, you can... Promote yourself, your work, okay. where people can find you, where people can yeah. follow you. So I'm on YouTube for sure. So you just search up my name, Neha Lalani. You'll find me. Please like and subscribe. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm there on LinkedIn as well for any like collaborations, anything at all work related. I have Instagrams. Yeah. So I have like a portfolio type of one. And then I have like my own personal blog page. Yeah. But my Instagram, which is Lonely Light Motif. That one has some of my graphic work. So I've done like some graphic design work. I used to just, for my free time, mess around in Photoshop and make book covers and like film posters, fake ones. So yeah, so that has like some of my graphics. Sounds like a multi-talented artist from what I heard. (laughs) And that like you've got a lot of time or a good time management. Yeah, this is like my passion. This is my love for doing stuff like this. Like not saying that I'm horrible at other things. (laughs) But um, like enjoy. It's great if you've got more skills and you like broaden your perspectives because then you will be able to stand out from the others when you look yeah. in a career or somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it, especially in this industry, if you're trying to make a name for yourself or even just, you know, put your work out there, it's very difficult because it's very competitive, you know. Now yeah. anyone with a phone can film something or anyone with a computer can download a software and just learn how to use it. I agree. So, and especially yeah, the film industry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think it's just, to anyone, I would say just be authentic and just be yourself. You as a person are as unique. So you don't need to pretend to be someone else. And just mm-hmm. Even if it's not a big fan following, you will have someone who likes to watch your videos. Yeah, some good inspiring words. <laughs> yeah, but what is the film industry like in the area where you live? Because... You said it's still growing, but I feel like that there are many international productions that film there because you can see plenty of films from there. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Like we have a lot of Hollywood films that come here and film or just to mention like the new Mission Impossible. I just watched it last night. Um, Oh, wow. How was it? Yeah, it was good. It was nice. I'm looking forward to the second part. But yeah, they had a whole scene in the Abu Dhabi airport. Which, quite frankly, I don't think that was the Abu Dhabi airport. That was, I think, at the airport in Dubai that they were saying it was Abu Dhabi. <laughs> okay. To all the listeners, that was not Abu Dhabi. But yeah, no, it, like we have a lot of, like, I think even Dune, they filmed here. I heard as well, yeah. Yeah, so they have a lot of things. But locally, yes, there are many filmmakers here. But they're not, perhaps not as marketed as like you have other films, for example. But yeah, I personally got a chance to work 
So one of my professors at uni was is film director. She has made one of our films in the region. So it, it's there on Netflix as well. So it's, she was working yeah, on another... Yeah, it was a nice experience, but she was working on another feature film that she wanted to make locally as well and film it here. So she asked me if I'd want to work on it with her with like scripts and then go on to production. So right now it's on hold at the moment, the project. But yeah, it was nice working with her closely and I was really looking forward to working. Yeah, that sounds great. I will then finish it for today. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure to meet you. It was inspiring story. Thank you for sharing that. And yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Tomas. Is that how you pronounce your name? Yes, yes. Yeah, perfect. Okay, great. Thank you so much. This was a lovely, lovely opportunity. And uh, looking forward to your future projects. Thank you. And your million views. Oh, one day, one day, hopefully. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Yeah. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Produced By. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app, leave a review or send us your feedback. For more information about the host, links from the episode and ways to connect with us, visit the show notes. If you know someone who would be an ideal guest for our podcast, please get in touch. Thank you and see you soon.